You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get? If I run ads for you, what are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to adameve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in dark pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark. This is the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I am your 
Number one, queer cripple, your disabled dick smith, your thick dick cripple, and I am here to shine a bright light on all these issues with you. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started, everybody. Couple of housekeeping things. As I said in an announcement last week, I will be expanding the programming on this show to encompass different kind of programs under the Disability After Dark banner, which means you don't have to go anywhere or change your podcast feed or do any of that stuff, but you're going to get more of me and different kinds of shows. I want to do a movie review show. I want to do a a disability history show. I want to do a disability travel show. I have all these ideas for the Disability After Dark banner, and they're coming really, really soon. So stay tuned for that, but just know that the show's expanding, and I'm going to do more episodes for you, so get ready for that. As per usual, I want to give a shout-out to the people who have supported the show with their Patreon donations. It really means a lot to me that you would spend your hard-earned dollars to keep a show like this going and to shine a bright light on these issues and all these things with me. Um, So let me give you a proper shout-out, and this is who I'm going to shout out to. Let me get their names right now because I don't remember who I'm shouting out to today. Hang on one second and I will get their names. Today's shout out goes to our new patron, Brian Moore, who pledged $5 a month to help keep the show going, which means he gets the show one day early and he gets to build a show with me and he's actually going to be a future guest on the show. So that's pretty awesome and really cool. Um, If you want to support the show and get the show one day early you can go to patreon.com slash disability after dark where you can pledge as little as one dollar a month or as much as five dollars a month to keep the show going we're gonna change the tiers around as i start getting more programming on this feed but for now one dollars and five dollars is totally fine and i totally thank brian moore for making that pledge um this means he gets the show one day early and a shout out for me. So Brian Moore, you make me want to do more episodes. Thank you for pledging your hard-earned dollars to this show. Thank you. Today on the program, I sit down with somebody that I've been fangirling over for like the longest time. He's somebody who I think is really cool, is super attractive to me in a lot of ways and just a really nice guy and he's somebody that I wanted to have on the show for a very long time. Um, he is Carson Tuller and he is really, really famous on the Instagram with 103,000 followers. He does a lot of disability advocacy work around queerness and disability and we talked today about his experiences becoming disabled and how that affected his experiences being gay and being queer and being part of these communities. We talk about queer disabled sex. We talk about what turns him on. We talk about um, some of of his palatability as a white, cis, disabled person who kind of became disabled through an accident. All this stuff becomes a point of discussion for us. It was a really important discussion, really fun, really long overdue. He's just somebody that that I... really admire and was really happy to sit down with. So without further ado, here's my interview with Carson Tuller right now on Disability After Dark. 
Carson Tuller, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. So nice to have. I'm so. It's so awesome to finally sit down with you. It's been. We've been planning this, and I've been wanting to get you on the show for at least like a year and a half, two years now. So it's, <laughs> I'm happy that it's finally happening. Yeah, me too. Now I've been a, a listener and have wanted to be on here as soon as I saw that you know there was a podcast about sex and disability. This is something that I've been interested in participating in. So I'm so glad it, it worked out. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely like I'm. A little, I'm also fangirling a little bit because like I mean, you're a social media star right now. <laughs> So uh, I'm pretty sure I was following you before you were following me. I was, you know, very, very interested in everything you were doing. So I think that um, I beat you in the fangirling. Listen, I'm not the one that has like, what, 199,000 Instagram followers? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you're like right up there. You're like, is it, well, you're like, you have way more than I do. So, so you're like, you're insta famous, which is, which is, which I fully support. Um, <laughs> So, for people who don't know who you are and who may not be, who yeah. may be like, who is this dude that he's talking to? Can you introduce yourself and kind of tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah. So, like what, like, you know, like I was introduced, my name is Carson Tuller, and I'm a 29 year old living in New York City. And um, I'm a keynote speaker, I'm a personal coach, and I just finished policy advising for Andrew Yang's. Um, 2020 presidential campaign um and then you know of course like i'm doing advocacy inside of lgbtq disability issues uh mostly on instagram um but then of course in real life and with organizations and um things like that so that's kind of a snapshot of what i do nice the andrew yang thing that's pretty cool and we'll get to that later in the interview but like that's when i saw that (laughs) when you when you emailed me and said that i was like oh Oh, wow. Like, all right. <laughs> I know. It was a surprise. It was totally a twist in the direction I was heading. Uh, and I just went with it. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. That's yeah. It's pretty awesome, though. Um, I just started a hashtag on the Tweety called Handsome Disabled Dudes. And I feel like you epitomize that it's not a question that's just me telling you that that's i feel like you epitomize <laughs> that hashtag so i'd like to see some handsome disabled dude post from you uh whatever you're gonna say <laughs> okay okay i'll do it <laughs> that's great awesome and thank you and thank you yeah i mean you do know i'm a giant flirt just so we're all aware this is like part of what my podcast persona is all about so mm, yeah love it yeah no no worries at all it's perfect um so, my first question that I have for you is I'd love for you to explain for me and for us how disability plays a role in your life and how yeah. it impacts you both positively and negatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I have been disabled for six years now. I was um, injured in a trampoline accident six years ago. I broke my neck while I was tumbling into a foam pit. And so I have six years of disabled life. (laughs) That's a really short time. It's such a short time, right? So I'm still very much kind of learning about what life is like as as a disabled person. And, you know, especially in the context of an able-bodied life or a non-disabled life, I guess is is better said. Um, 
you know, like I had 23 years of that. So still kind of like catching up, so to speak, is a level of experience. But um, yeah, so I'll start with the negatives and go into the positives. And I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily like, so when I talk about disability, I'm very particular about what use, what words I use inside of my head yep. only because it has an impact on me emotionally. So if I talk about things as being negatives, I kind of start to interact with them as negatives yep. instead of just like barriers. I know it's like semantics and kind of, um, nuance, oh, no, I get it. It, it makes, makes a big deal. It makes a big deal or uh, a big difference for me. So, but yeah, yeah. So what would, what, you know, someone could deem negatives or like, um, I mean, we can, we can change that question up to be like, tell me some of the barriers and some of the, yeah, barriers. Yeah, totally. And you know, honestly, they like feel negative when I'm experiencing them. And those barriers are like accessibility is just a huge one. It's like, and I did not know, how inaccessible the world was to disabled people until obviously it was me. Um, and I live in New York city. So that issue is really exacerbated. Oh yeah. My gosh. So like in Utah where I was like where I had my spinal cord injury access was easy for the most part. I had a vehicle that I could get in and out of, um, you know, and there's a lot of space out in New York, or excuse me, in Salt Lake City, where I lived, and then coming to New York, accessibility has been the biggest, like, negative experience that I've had here, because the subway system is not accessible. Um, there's just not the accommodation you need. A lot of the businesses here are not accessible, even though they don't fall under, you know, the exemptions or the, yeah, the exemptions of, like, the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so there's just like, there's illegal accessibility all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the same in Toronto. We have this very similar, very shitty, very shoddy law that doesn't actually do much, but it's there, but nobody cares about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I can relate. So um, one is accessibility. One is like the stigma of being disabled and using a wheelchair. Like people think you're sick. People think you're dumb. People think you're like broken or something's wrong with you. Um, people stare at you. Um, those are all experiences I've had to work through. Um, there are just like health issues that I have now that I didn't have before that are related to disability. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those. Like what's, what are some of the health issues yeah. you experience? Yeah. So like I, for when I catheterize 24 seven, so oh I my use God, Let's talk about that. In- Me too. Hey, I know I've seen some of your posts and I've been like I hear you um like so when is like catheterizing I use intermittent catheters so I don't have a leg bag something that's like indwelling as of now yeah I mean either okay yeah so um and you know hopefully that remains that way because it's like intermittent catheting is great comparatively so um yeah so i use an intermittent catheters pull out a catheter go pee into a bottle or into a know whatever is there um and then like move on but that's been a big deal um for me i think the difference between like me and you is that i i don't have sensation from like my upper chest down like i don't feel the great majority of my body so i've never felt what it's like to 
like actually catheterize myself <laughs> if that makes sense yeah it totally does yeah and i know that that's like an issue for some people right is like losing some of like the sensitivity or kind of like the oh my god i can sit and talk about this with, with <laughs> you for like an hour and a half just this part because like as a, i gotta tell you as like a cis dude who yeah can totally feel his junk with yeah when you cast so much you start losing a lot of sensitivity in your penis and so like mm-hmm. for me it's like when you want to get down with a dude or when you want to hook up or you want to like fuck around all of that changes because your sense of what is your your sense of your sensation changes entirely which then leads to like you feel emasculated you feel like i can't perform like i used to or at all Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so it definitely it for me anyway it plays a role for sure yeah no that makes sense i mean even inside of just like it's just like habituation right if you like touch the same or associate touch with a non-sexual act right it like starts to become a non-sexual act and that part becomes starts to feel less sexualized than when you save it only for sexual acts right yeah yeah. So I mean like <clears throat> I hear you. I've never I never had to uh kind of mourn that loss because I just like mourned the loss of all of my sensation the minute it happened, right? And so it was just like I knew that I could not feel any of my, you know, like penis, my balls, my almost anything. Um I I have like a little bit here and there, but um yeah, but And also like do you have enough sensation? Do you have enough dexterity that you can self-cath i can yeah oh my god i hate yeah. you slash also that's awesome but also i wish <laughs> <Thank> I-, <you. laughs> I know i i hear you i i feel very fortunate that i had because i barely have enough like it's um where i'm paralyzed is like right at the level of my hands so there's a lot of there are a lot of things i can do to be independent um which is like convenient not necessarily like better or worse right but can be convenient and um f- uh but there's like so much that i can't do just because like i lack so much strength so yeah yeah so like oh in a lot of your instagram photos like you're a thirst trap i'm gonna just say i'm gonna just put it out there you're like, <laughs> I, like, I identify as as um an aspiring thirst trap <laughs> i mean i mean i mean when i saw you do you did a thing with queerty a few a few weeks ago where they like Profiled you as like one of their hot dudes that was on Andrew Yang's campaign, and they had the picture of you shirtless, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like you're thir- you're a thirst trap. I see you at the gym. I see that the- I I follow your Instagram. So like, when you work out, because you say you don't have a lot of like sensation or dexterity, do you feel yeah. do you feel like you want to do that to maintain what you have, or are you hoping that like this will make it better? So yeah, it's always like a it's a combination of things. One is like I know that my mobility all depends on my upper body now, um, and my ability to kind of take care of myself to make sure I don't have pressure issues, those kind of things. So um, pressure issues are the worst. Oh, they're the worst. The and worst. They, like, me to death. I. It's so validating talking to you about this stuff. Um. Yeah, and so it's like I want to make sure that I can like move around when I need to for as long as I can because I I mean I hope to be you know seventy years old someday and I'm gonna still have to pick up this ass and move it from my chair 
into a, onto a couch or onto my bed or something, right? And yeah. so keeping my shoulder, I say all of that to say, keeping my shoulders big, keeping my upper body strong is going to be good for my health. Um, and I've always wanted to do a bodybuilding competition um, since the, since my spinal cord injury. So I'm going to the gym and like eating a ton of food and like trying to like stay on top of what I'm doing so I can like ultimately maybe go compete and like check it off my bucket list. I mean, excuse me, well, I just had a visualization of that happening. Two, <laughs> two things excited me, you without your shirt on also made me excited. And then I was excited by the fact that like, I don't know, I don't know. And if anybody's listening who knows if I'm wrong, I don't know if I've seen a wheelchair using person in a bodybuilding competition before. I'm gonna, I, is it a thing that happens? That's a good question. I, I guess from what I understand, there's like a wheelchair category for people. But oh. okay, here's the thing. Like it's like um, a very broad range. So I think you can have people who like can really build a lot of different muscles with people who have like much less function who can build many fewer muscles. And I think they're competing together from what I understand, which kind of feels weird because in like Paralympic sport, you have classifications. So you're like competing with like function. Why don't <laughs> right. you just do the Paralympics? Like, dude, you like, you like, you could be the disabled Gus Kenworthy of whatever the fuck you want. Like, oh my gosh, I'd love that. <laughs> That's I, so funny. I, I have, so I like did swimming for a while in the Paralympics, and I made it. To, I made it to the Olympic trials um, for the Rio Games. Didn't make the team. It, that was just like two or three years after my spinal cord injury, so it was like very shortly after. But I like wanted. I still wanted to get back in. I'm like, I wonder if I could do some kind of like wheelchair lifting or something, right? Most importantly, you should just aim to meet Gus Kenworthy if you haven't already, because like you're famous. So like, <laughs> I haven't met him. We, we, oh, that's a lie. I have met him. Yeah. So like, we, I was at a premiere thing in L.A. and um, he and I have like just chatted and been friends since then because we have a bunch of mutual friends. Um, All right, just gonna, yeah. just, <laughs> just gonna drop that name. Hey, Gus Kenworthy, if you're listening to this, oh, which, hey, Gus. because I know your friends, you will know. Um, if you want to come on my show and talk about disability with me, let me know. Um, how has your disability impacted you positively since becoming disabled? Yeah, positively, I have, I feel smarter. I, I know it sounds ridiculous because I, I don't think there's any way my IQ has actually gone up, but I feel so much smarter than I was as a non-disabled person. I think because I've had to practice problem solving, I've had to be incredibly aware of how to do things, when to do things, strategizing, planning. Um, I mean, I, I remember being at home shortly after my injury and I left my iPad downstairs and I had a stair lift and they, it took forever. And so I left it downstairs and like for the first time I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to do what I did before and just like run and get things. I have to strategize. Like if I'm going somewhere, I have to take everything I need with me. If I go up or downstairs, if I go in and out of a building, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all of that thinking has, has had me be just so much more aware of myself of like, not even to, you know, that's not even including all of the emotional pieces. Like I know myself so much better. I know um, emotionally what I'm going through so much better. Um, 
I think that I am more in touch with people who, for whom the, our political systems don't work. So yeah. I'm far more empathetic. I'm far more thoughtful about privilege um, than I was before, mostly because I realized, like, I went from this, like, being at the tip top of, like, white, at the time, ostensibly straight, right? I wasn't in the closet. Um, like white men who have like the system totally working for them to suddenly, you know, being like a queer disabled man and then still realizing like, Oh my gosh. And there are so many other people who have other intersecting like identities that even further like push them to the margins of our system for whom the system doesn't serve, you know? So empathy and and all of that has really come as a, a, a result of this. Um, And I think the last piece is that like people, as much as I sometimes don't want to talk about like hard things or deep things with people all the time, like if I'm in an elevator and they're like, oh, what happened? Or something like that. (laughs) Okay, okay, but no no disabled person likes that. No disabled person is like, I want to talk to, like, no one likes that. Leave me alone. (laughs) No one's dying to be like, oh, I was hoping you'd ask me about the day I broke my neck. You know, of course. or I was hoping to have to explain to you exactly how my body does or doesn't work. Like, no, thank you. You know? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just going upstairs. <laughs> like that stuff is, and like, I, it's just so weird how that happens so constantly to us. Like, no, I don't want to tell you right now. I really, truly wouldn't like not to. Yeah. And it's not even like I'm mad about it. I mean, sometimes I am legitimately like pissed at it. I'm just like, are you kidding me? But then other times it's like, you know, I, ask me where I got this shirt. Or, like, you know, say something about my shoes. I, I just want, I don't want to talk. I'll talk about anything else. <laughs> I think it's funny that you were like, say something about my shoes. Because our shoes, for wheelchair users, like, our shoes last us a good long fucking time because we don't walk. <laughs> so, shoes are like, they don't get scuffed. They're like an ornament piece on your body. I, I love my shoes because they last forever and they're uh-huh. bright and cool. Yeah. I have to say, though, like, my, my shoes... I got this new wheelchair and there's something about something about it that has my feet slowly slip to the side oh, and my no. wheels, my wheels were, will hit the side of my shoes. So like all of my shoes, I don't know if you can see this, like all of my shoes like have like this dirt on the side. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll have like bright clean shoes with just like shit on the side of them. Oh no. But also it's, it's, it's totally fine. I, I can, I, I have to fix it. I don't know what to do yet, but I will. It's kind of cool that you can be like, yeah, my shoes are scuffed just like yours too, man, because... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I had to get new shoes too. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, I'm just like you. Um, so I want to ask you, being someone who acquired their disability, can you yeah. share with me how your views on sex as a queer man have changed since becoming disabled? Oh, my gosh, they've changed so much, Andrew. Like, so before... As a non-disabled person, I was like, sex means, you know, at least in, okay, like like my point of view, <laughs> sex was like a penis goes into a hole and like moves around and then people <laughs> ejaculate or like get off or do whatever they do. And then like that's sex. And there's like some, some things you can do like moving up to that and things you can do like coming out of that, but it's essentially that act. That is yeah. like sex. You know, that's what it was in my brain. Um, 
and I think it's worth saying, like, I have never had sex as a non-disabled person. I have oh. only had sex as a disabled man. Wow. Well, that changes my yeah. that changes my whole question then. To yeah. Okay. So like, fuck. All right. So then, like, <laughs> so I can't speak from experience and be like, this is how it was before. So it was a good Mormon boy. Oh wow! There's so many things to unpack there. Wow. I, oh, don't even get me started. Um, so... how many hours can this podcast go? I know. <laughs> um, so. What was your first experience of sex like as like a disabled person? Like how, how did, what was, were you like extra scared because you never had sex and now you have to deal with this too? Yeah, it was like, yes, the answer is yes. Um, I just didn't know what <laughs> All to, the yes. all the yeses. I didn't know, excuse me, like what to expect exactly because I had mostly just like participated in like kissing or like because where i experience like orgasm is all above my injury level where i can feel so like the top of my chest like collar area neck uh ear lobes scalp ears totally yeah scalp really yeah the back of my scalp gets like insanely sensitive I'm just going to make a note of that for the next time we hang out. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, somebody, it's just weird how the body like rewires itself. Cause that was to my knowledge, never a thing that I experienced. Before, yeah. I mean, right? I mean, I hear, but I hear a lot of people with paralysis say the same thing. Like everything is totally re- reconfigured to have different yeah. sensations, in different places. Yeah. It's like heightened for me. And I mean, it could be because I don't feel anywhere else on my body. Right. Um, but so it was like, I had mostly just participated in like kissing and those kind of things before. And then it was just kind of like, yeah, I waited until I really felt comfortable with someone who felt like they were willing to explore and willing to like be non-judgmental they had a very flexible idea of what sex was. They knew that we were like thinking that we're like going into this with a sense of like, we're seeing how this will go. We're exploring. There is no right or wrong way to do this. We're just going to enjoy the experience. And that was like my first like real sexual experience. Um, Not real when I say real, but I mean like in terms of like your kind of stereotypical idea of sex. So, um, so yeah, yeah, there was definitely some like hesitation, but I also was so deliberate about making sure like I was safe, I was in a really, you know, good environment, all those things. Wow, that's I mean, that's for a first time, that's like really that's intense cuz like uh, uh, yeah. cuz my whole question line was like tell me about sex before the injury and when you just said that you like didn't have it. That's that's like that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's like, why Oh, go ahead. You're such a you're still like a baby disabled person in that like in that like you've only been injured for 6 years. It's it's not a lot of time to like get used to this. No. No, I really appreciate you saying that actually because sometimes I still get overwhelmed and and also it's like you said I'm I was like you know, there's there's a whole experience of coming out right where you learn about like what is sex with men what is what is gay sex what is sexuality what is my homophobia 
what is my own internalized, um, you know, shame or stigma that I have from growing up, at least in my case, all of those things. And then that, like, there was like a whole track to figure out there. And then this whole other track that literally happened at the same time. I came out in the same year that I was paralyzed. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And so that's why I was like undoing as much as I was thinking about paralysis during sex. I was also thinking about like, I mean, almost from like a spiritual piece, like, is this, is this good? Is this okay? Am I bad? Am I like, there was all that like, new gay stuff still showing up in my head from like growing up Mormon. Yeah. That. Oh my God. There was like three layers. There's like learning uh, about learning. There's the, there's the Mormon piece. There's the paralysis piece. And there's also trying to unlearn all the fucking toxic masculinity that gay men are bombarded with. Yeah. All at the same time. while also trying to figure out how the hell you're going to like do this. I can only imagine the stress. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I really did wait a very long time for like the right conditions. So I felt like, you know, I could actually have that experience um, positively. That's, I could do a whole, like a whole other hour on just that part. I know. (laughs) I know. Wow. Um, How has your experience of masculinity, of just masculinity changed since acquiring disability? Hmm. You know, I was, I am still <laughs> six foot five feet tall. Like I'm, I'm a really tall man and I was like built in your stereotypically masculine ways before my injury as well. And was really excited to like, you know, like be able to like jump in feet first into like this idea of like what a man is when I was coming out. Cause I had just started realizing that like, Oh, I guess people like abs. Oh, I guess like I got a lot of attention for certain parts of my body. And I started realizing like, Oh, this is valuable. And I didn't know this before, you know? So I was like on the apps that first, like maybe six months realizing like, Oh, I'm going to get attention for like my body. Like this, these are the comments that I'm getting. And I was such like a closeted, good little like Mormon boy that, I had no idea that this was like the world of gayness and and gay masculinity. And so, yeah, like I started to develop a more like a little bit more of like a rigid idea of like what masculinity had to look like, but never, I don't think enough to have it like ingrained in a way that was like really, really, really terrible. I've always actually, um, let me think like I've really valued like the feminine pieces of, of who I am and my life and like that feminine energy or like the more queenie gay part of me um, that just you know doesn't fit into like a purely masculine mold right um, what is just a sidebar question what is like some of the queenie feminine parts of you that are that you would want to share oh um I think just like the, the, like the kind of like the sassy witty attitude that that sometimes like shows up in certain settings for me, like, or, um, just like loving some of the, the pieces of like gay culture of like, I love, I mean, I love drag race. I love, I mean, and that's like, 
that doesn't like make people masculine or feminine, you know, but like, I'm really interested in one day doing like something drag myself and please do it. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, 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 uh, I value all those parts of people, you know, and I, um, value those things in myself. And I'm still, of course, like exploring like my own like gender identity in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. just in terms of like what's conforming, what's non-conforming and, I, I identify as like a cis male, but in terms of like the expression of that, yeah, I'm always very interested. In that. Do you feel, did, did you feel pressure or do you feel pressure as a disabled man who, you know, looks as you do to keep up a certain aesthetic? Is it like as a, as a disabled wheelchair using man that looks like you do? Mm, I know that the answer has to be yes. Like even if like, it's below my consciousness. Like I know that my, like I'm, I'm aware enough and, and know psychologically enough that I get, this is what I hear a lot about Instagram. People say, I came here for the, the I came for the, for the thirst trap and I stayed for the message. I stayed for the meaning. Um, yeah. The caption. And so I know that there is like so much privilege inside of like having the body that I have and looking the way I do and um, that that has me experience a lot of like validation and I've always had it as a gay man and so I don't know what it would be like not to have it and, and I know that I must like I know that it would be noticeable if it were gone like I have, but I don't know anything else, if that makes sense. It totally does. And I, I'm, but I that's, like, my honest, <laughs> honest yeah, answer. Yeah, no, 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 you can totally be honest. Like, don't feel like, don't be worried about, like... I just I, I don't want to sound like a douchebag, right? And at the same time, it's just, like, I know where... I know at least where many major parts of my privilege are inside of, like, the gay community, inside of the disabled community. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to shift to that. One of the things you said on Instagram the other day, and I, like fell in love with it because I was like, wow, this is, like, you are the master of, like, I'm going to write a novel on my Instagram. And then, <laughs> like, so I was reading your post and you talked about palatability in our mm -hmm. community and how you, because you look a certain way and because you, you fall in within a certain queer male aesthetic, mm -hmm. you have a palatability in our community to kind of talk about disability in a way that I think you know, people accept you more readily than they would me. I'm not, not that I'm comparing us, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying that the difference is that because you had an accident and were once quote unquote able-bodied, um, people seem to accept, I feel like people accept that more than if somebody was to say, oh, I was born with a disability, here's what I experienced. Like for me being congenitally mm -hmm. disabled, having CP, cerebral palsy, like it's yep. a completely different experience than yours, but because you were in an accident, I feel like sometimes there is this idea that because you were once able-bodied, you're closer to quote-unquote normal than, say, I am. So how do you feel about, like, do you, do you think there's a huge difference between congenitally disabled people and those who acquire disability? Like, yes, absolutely. And, it, like, this conversation makes me uncomfortable in all of the, like, the right ways, right? Because we have to have this conversation inside of the disabled community because the disabled community is so like 
broad. I mean, yeah, uh, the disability. Um, I would almost venture to say that it's not one community; it's a bunch of communities. I think so, and I have yes, a hundred percent right. And and I think that it's important to be able to distinguish the different experiences that disabled people have within the giant disabled community. And one of those is people who were born non-disabled and people who were born with a congenital disability, right? Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, I totally think they're different. And actually, I think that um, what you said has been my same observation, which is people see me as like a broken, able-bodied person. Right. Yeah. And they wouldn't say that, but they see me as like a like a tragic hero, like a wounded, um, you, you know, able-bodied person who is kind of like went from like this life that worked and it was beautiful and perfect and all of that to like, oh, this tragedy happened and now they're in a wheelchair and and this is so like upsetting. But look how strong. Right. There's like this narrative around going from being able-bodied to being disabled yeah and i think they still see you as being part of the able-bodied club yeah we're, we're like and unfortunately if you and i roll up into like a into like a gay event together i can almost guarantee you they would come to you first i've seen it happen with other friends of mine and that's mm. what i'm highlighting is like not that one of us is better than the other but i'm highlighting that like our community is so still attached to these ideas of able-bodiedness, even within the disability community and the queer community. Absolutely. Like, like, I went to an event in Hollywood a few weeks ago for my for this show, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, like, by the way. Thanks. Uh, so I, I went to an event in Hollywood, and it was just so funny how, like, nobody was approaching me. Nobody would come up to me. Nobody was, was like, saying, hey, how are you? Like, I was, it was a very... It was a very weird gay event because everybody was talking to each other, but nobody was like approaching me. So I just, mm. I would be curious to see if I were like, if I had acquired disability and if I had more function, if they would, if they, you know, would see me differently. Yeah. So I was thinking about this before we talked about it because I was like, what are my thoughts? I do think that there is some nuance here, right? And it goes back to palatability because there are certainly people who um, were born quote-unquote able-bodied, right? Um, and acquired a disability and who don't experience like palatability privilege for whatever reason, like yeah. however they were injured could have left them not having like your stereotypical normal body, right? That fits into these standards. Yeah. Um, and you can have people who are like born with a congenital disability who do have those, who do have high, high, high palatability, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, we do like have to make space for that experience. So I don't know if we can just say like, this is the experience and this is the experience. Um, no, we have to realize that it's so much more grayer than just like yeah, one or the other. Yeah. But I do think, I guess my point was like, I do think we need to really, and I've said it a bunch on social media and I'll probably say it again after we record this because it's a good thing to like remember that like every experience of disability is super different, particularly mm -hmm. like 
those with congenital disabilities and those with acquired disabilities, both of their disabilities need to be respected for what oh, yeah. they, for like what they are and for not like just because you have more function in certain ways doesn't mean that you're better off and just because I have more function in certain ways doesn't mean that I'm better off. Like we need to totally we in the communities need to totally remember that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and that's why I think elevating the space, like elevating the, the voices of all disabled people across the board and having those like like a variety of bodies and disabled bodies show up in the media, show up in modeling, show up in fashion is so important because we have to start introducing variations of this like perfect model that we have that is not serving anyone. Yeah. 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 So the only, the only last piece that I wanted to add to this part of the conversation is that um, I, I have realized that um, part of the reason, like I've realized like as a person who does experience like palatability and someone who acquired the disability, I have a responsibility to advocate for disabled people like in a way that is congruent with the way that people listen to me because it's almost and I, I tell me if this sounds like I don't know if this is like inappropriate or or something I don't know totally not but I'm um, curious yeah <clears throat> so I am you know I was I was working with an, a queer group called affirmation I was the president of affirmation <clears throat> excuse me for all of 2018 and it's all about you know supporting lgbtq mormons and former mormons and one of the things that we kind of know in that space within the community is that straight cis people have the ability to advocate for queer people in a way that queer people cannot advocate for queer, queer people yeah they have the ear of people because they belong to the same group because they're safe right and sometimes i feel like that in my advocacy as a person with a disability because people see me like i participated <clears throat> in able-bodied culture and people knew me as sorry i have like something in my throat one second <clears> throat> Oh, now you can hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was participating in able-bodied culture, and people saw me and knew me as able-bodied, and then, like, like that just comes with a privilege. Like, people listen to me in a different way, and I kind of feel like one of those like allies who has the ear of like straight people, <laughs> right? Like I have the ear of able-bodied people in some ways because they see themselves in me in a lot of ways. And so I'm like very safe and they can like get my experience and they like, there's a responsibility to that. Right. And, and um, I wish that more people who had have acquired disability would really lean into their disabled identity and like, and use that power. The ableism. Yeah, exactly. Because so many people who acquire, and this is not like a read or trying to be like unkind, but so many people who acquire disabilities are 
the ones who have the most internalized ableism because they experienced so much ability before and they think it's so much more valuable and they feel like so sorry for themselves for, you know, acquiring a disability. And I will tell you, there's like absolutely loss and grief, but I think all disabled people can potentially go through those kind of moments, regardless of whether they acquired it or not. Yeah, totally. But I wish people who acquired it would like be more thoughtful about being like, you know what? I have the ear of like able-bodied people because they see themselves in my experience and I'm going to really make a difference in changing the narrative around disability now. And so how do you use that privilege? Like how do you use that to get people to consider their own ableism? Yeah. I mean, for me, what, what I do is I keep talking about how this experience is not worse than that experience. And how, you know, more function is not better than less function. Paralysis is not worse than non-paralysis. Like, I draw those, like, I, I spell that out as often as I can to people and as often as I can in my writing. Um, and also even point out, you know, like, this experience does come with certain superpowers and benefits that I didn't have before. And it's not like drawing a silver lining. There are just things that have caused me to be more advanced in certain areas of life as a disabled person. What are some of those things? Um, I think that they're kind of those things I talked about before, you know, like um, just like a, a, such a more complex and developed worldview for me an understanding of like marginalized people of society of empathy of like pain I mean, even just like what I've experienced in terms of physical pain is just like off the charts. I can, Im- Com- I can imagine. Well, I, I can directly imagine too because I, I also get yeah, it. So, yeah. 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 And and that takes something. It takes something to be a human being who is constantly in pain. It takes something to be a human being who constantly has to um, shift an internal dialogue when you're sitting in front of a, a step when the building said it was accessible and you have to do something in that moment you have to think you either have to say like poor me this sucks and sometimes i do that or you say you know what like fuck that and i'm gonna go somewhere else like go to that place and you know it, it just takes resilience to constantly live in a world where you experience barriers to your success and i have a question that i didn't write down but i know you talked to Jonathan Van Ness yesterday. The the episode dropped yesterday because I saw it all over your socials and I was a little bit jealous but also really happy for you. Um, you talked to him about ableism, which I think is a really cool thing to bring up on such a big platform because it doesn't get talked about a lot. So yeah. what when you talk to him about ableism, like what does ableism mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it goes back to value. Ableism is about placing greater value, priority, and preference on ability over disability. And so any time where that shows up, that's ableism. So if there's a preference or like there's a demonstration that people or systems value or invest in ability or people who are able more than those who are disabled, that's ableism plain and simple right so it's like if you're willing to invest in stairs but not an elevator that's ableist if you're will you know what i mean like it's just like kind of dry that way 
yeah, it's like where do you put the where do you place the value? I also think though that that ableism, I'm learning more and more than when I talk about it, it tends <laughs> to be like those those are like blatant obtuse things people do to like definitely show you that they don't give yeah. give a fuck about disabled people. Um, but there, I think there's so much, so many smaller things that people do that are ableist that they don't realize. And I think I'm learning more and more teaching non-disabled people that being ableist doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. It just means it's something we need to work through together. I, that is so, I think, and that's the best. It's just like, I love that you say that because we, so I'm a psychology major. Um, like I have a degree in psych and my, I have so many family members. My father's a clinical psychologist. So I've always been around like research and, and psychology and things. And <laughs> like, <clears throat> we know that inside of like prejudice and implicit bias that we assimilate these ideas, like whether we want to or not just inside of our upbringing and our socialization, we assimilate ideas about race, gender, uh, you know, ability, all of those things. And what we are responsible for is like catching them when they show up. But the fact that we have them is not, um, anyone's fault. It's just like kind of the nature of growing up in society and a society that has certain ideas, right? And yeah. so evolving just means consciously changing them. But, you know, especially again, as a person who was not disabled at birth and for 23 years of my life, um, I had all of these ideas and I just had no idea that they were there. And And I was as thoughtful a person then as I am now. I just know more. You know, and so it's not like I was bad, but yeah, I think people just need to be educated and and have to be inspired by the ideas of what dismantling ableism could do for everyone, right? We have to create a world where people can see like, oh my gosh, like I have all the ability in the world and I see that dismantling ableism and, and all of these pieces of that would be a benefit to even me and everyone else. To like everybody yeah yeah totally um uh i want to shift to a sexy question because yeah it's a sex podcast uh (laughs) so like um what is your most fun accessible sex act that you can engage in Mm. um my gosh for me this is gonna sound so vanilla (laughs) i love i love kissing so so much yeah and yep. it's like it is i tell i tell ryan all the time i'm like this might this might be my favorite it's just like to just like lay down with him and be together and be close and just kiss for however long they want to and to like in in whatever intensity you know um and of course like that moves into other things but like something about kissing and I don't know if it's like that I'm more sensitive in like my face and my lips and everything since my injury, but it just provides for me like such a sense of like a connection, but then just like arousal, just like period. Do you, I have a question about your paralysis. Do you with, we were talking about your penis earlier. So (laughs) I want (laughs) to, I want to, I want to go back to that for a minute because do do you have like, you were speaking about arousal a second ago. That's why I thought about it. Do you have like, 
arousal there? So do you win if you were kissing somebody? Is is arousal a thing that happens for you? That's a really good question. So I'll explain this kind of like clinically because I mean that's how I have to explain <laughs> um, erection is is a can happen a few ways. One is through like um, like psychological arousal, yeah. right? So you're like thinking about something or you're seeing something and it, you know, that message goes through a nerve and creates like an erection um, or erection can happen through a re like just a manual reflex. So like if the penis is like touched or moved or pulled or sucked or any of those things that also creates an erection. Right. So it's like a different, they're two different mechanisms. Yeah. And so for me, the nerve that is responsible for like psychological arousal, sending a message to my penis does not work anymore. And so I still have the experience of like the, the arousal and the excitement and all of that stuff, but it doesn't translate into an erection anymore. And so I only, I have to rely on manual stimulation to have an erection. So in something like kissing, I don't get hard. I don't get a boner or anything like that. Does that make you like, like, because I like, because we've talked about it a little bit just now, like I, I'm also having issues with my junk and it feels, it feels, you know, it can be mm -hmm. really emasculating. Do you feel like, do you feel, does it upset you when you can't get hard the way that you yeah, did before? Sometimes, sometimes it does when it builds up over like a long period of time. And I'm like, gosh, I just want this to happen. Especially like having had it work perfectly before, right? Yeah. Um, I choose very consciously to not make any of those things mean anything, you know? So it's just like, okay, it's, it's like not getting up. What is it? What's a way a that I could get it up? Or what is a way that I could have what I want in terms of like sex or in terms of like, I just immediately go to like, okay, what's the next action to take to have what I'm committed to, which is great sex. Um, and so I just, yeah, I don't make it mean much and I'll tell like my partner I'll, or I told my partner partners at the time, right? Like over the period of time that I was still dating and on the apps and stuff, I just say, Hey, just so you know, like if we're like, kissing or cuddling and doing all of these things and, and you're not seeing like a physiological response from me down there uh, know that the, it doesn't mean anything like I'm fully enjoying the experience and this is just how my body works now um, and if we want me to like have a boner then like we can make that happen but it's not going to happen just like this yeah it's not going to happen just through arousal um, I'm also curious I want to ask you a question that I didn't write down because it's been happening to, to me a lot and I wanted to like pose it to you because why, yeah. why not so like with me sometimes with all of my catheters and stuff I've started to notice that I have auto ejaculation things happening which is really, yeah I saw a post about that yeah which is really 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 frustrating because like I'll be sitting there watching Grey's Anatomy and I'll just come without warning and that's like mm. really weird and really uncomfortable and awkward totally is that I can see how that'd be upsetting that's happened for you at all I have not heard that happening a lot to people with disabilities. Excuse me, people with paralyzed guys. I haven't heard about auto ejaculation. Honestly, if you don't have sensation, like as a paralyzed man, I don't know if people would even know until like they took their pants off, right? Because you don't have like a lot of sensation. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I have never had that problem personally, but I also don't experience like ejaculation as like in the same way. Like, so I, again, it's like kind of like back to the sensation thing. Like I already had to maybe like grieve the loss of, um, how ejaculation would work for me like many, many years ago. Um, cause it just like disappeared. And so I can still, I, I can still like ejaculate with, um, like a vibrator. Yep. Um, but it's not necessarily like a part of the orgasm experience. It's kind of complicated. Like I, I achieve orgasm separately from wherever my penis does. Wow. And that's all in like my neck, ears, chest area like that. So I don't have to ejaculate in order to experience orgasm anymore. Um, it's just like there for the experience of. <laughs> I'm giggling because I'm like, well, that's great because cause like then the cleanup's a lot easier. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's obviously like still fun to have it be a part of everything because it's there and it works and, you know, it can be fun. Yeah. Totally. But not necessary. Yeah. And I mean, thank you so much for like, for like, veering off on that super personal mm-hmm. tangent mm-hmm. with me. Um, so you've done some really sexy photos recently on your Instagram. Mm. Cause I, cause like we said, you're a thirst trap. Uh, mm-hmm. and you've done some really sexy, like really important photos about sex and disability. And I've done them mm-hmm. too. And like for me doing those photos always feels weird. Cause just like you say, like you're like a, you grew up as a good Mormon boy. I grew up as like a good disabled kid that was never yeah. going to be good. And so the whole idea of like taking sexy naked shots is a thing I do now for work. But I also always feel so weird about it because I'm like, I'm not attracted. This is weird. Like, I'm not this guy. What's going on? Do you ever- Cut it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you ever feel that way when you when you take those photos? Like, share with us what those that experience has been like. Uh, it's been, uh, again... I eased into nude photography, like with just like shirtlessness and then like a little peek of my bum, right? And then like finally being like, okay, like I've wanted to do this. I've wanted to capture like my whole nude self. Here we go. For me, I mean like I'm I'm way more paralyzed than people think. I have less, way less function than people think. Yeah, I look like paraplegic. Me, when you told me your functionability, I was like, what? No. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually a quadriplegic. Like everyone thinks that I am like paralyzed from my like hips down. Like my hands are at least 50% paralyzed. I don't feel from almost like the top of my sternum down. And I have no core function. I have no back function. I'm just like good at compensating <laughs> with what I do have. Um, and, and being an athlete before has given me like the strength to kind of like take care of the parts of my body that don't work anymore in terms of moving them around and whatever. But, um, I'm still, I say all that because I'm still like visibly paralyzed. Like my legs, you can see are paralyzed my, especially like my stomach area. I don't have like a flatness that I had before my guts just like stick out. Right. Yeah. And I mean, my butt looks different, like my back looks different. So, um, 
I just have like a thinness and I have like, since I've started like bulking up a little bit and I'm cycling a lot that has naturally kind of like, I've gotten more like um, muscle mass through like my butt and legs and in, in, in those areas. Where are these butt photos that I can peruse? How do I? <laughs> <laughs> right now it's just like side butt. I mean, like maybe one day there'll be some photographs of like, my full booty somewhere, but you can just send me. You can just send me a private text when we're done. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, so I guess I was just. It's like kind of like what I wrote in that post, right? It's like I really like. I realized it was like that internalized ableism showed up. It was like I don't want to look like just so paralyzed. Like I don't want to look hunched over I, I can't sit up straight right I can't um there's so many things that like look so paralyzed on me <laughs> and I was just like afraid of those showing up in the photos and being like oh like that looks weird that looks super different that, you know and then I realized like no this is the point of this shoot is like yeah. to capture the body in all of its atrophy and all of its thinness or it's like you know distended tummy or like no back muscle whatever was there i was like that needs to be there that needs to remain like untouched in terms of anything with like photoshop and i told the photographer that because like we're working on capturing sexuality and disability so it really was a journey of me being like you know what like my body is valuable the way it is and it's worthy of taking these photos exactly the way it is and, and also, so i lean into that like also they're hot as fuck. I've seen some of the photos on your Instagram. Like, oh my god, they're so <laughs> hot. And I think it's I just think it's so awesome that you let like I really appreciate that there's a handful of us in the world doing this work. Like there, yeah. really, there really is only a handful of queer men really doing this, queer disabled men really doing this. So I appreciate that like you and I are kind of in the same orbit. Absolutely. And I feel like connected to your work and what you're doing because of that. I totally feel like we're in the same kind of like space fighting for the same things yeah which i which i got and i really like i i will admit when i first first when i first 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 saw your stuff there was a little tinge of like we were speaking about palatability there was a little bit of like oh okay well i don't my work doesn't look like that and there was a, a, a tiny little moment of me where i was like a tad jealous because like again i don't my body looks completely differently from yours so i felt oh. like oh how do I, I can't match this. And so, but having read your post and like following you and talking with you, I was like, oh, he doesn't give a fuck about that. We're just, we're going to uplift each other versus like, it doesn't need to be a competition. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and like, let it be clear for the record. Like, I mean, I am where I am in terms of like how I look physically because of my genetics. Like, and that is just like privilege it's pure privilege like there's nothing i can do to like look at the number of people who have followed me or the number of opportunities i've had and be like like pat myself on the back about that like people who don't have the same privilege as i do have done like immeasurable amounts of work and who have not had the same kind of opportunities or visibility because of that privilege and i like want it to be on the record that i know that and i have a responsibility to talk about that and also to like continue to push the conversation to a space like to make sure it's like no 
I want your the, the way I have able-bodied people's ear at, or like they're they're listening to say, hey, look at all of these bodies. Like you're maybe like following me because I kind of look like you or because I kind of look like what you're used to looking at. But let's like really look at all bodies and really like push that, you know? Um, that's not to say I haven't worked like my ass off in order to be like thoughtful in order. And especially in terms of like what I write, like none of that has come naturally. Like I have had to do a no, lot of work. I see, like I can see yeah. when, I, when I read your stuff, I see like, I see you working it through and being very thoughtful about the words you use and being mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. thoughtful about the language you use. Cause you know, cause I, cause I can see now that you've, you've said you have this responsibility a few times today and like in thinking about that and thinking about it, the way you post stuff, I can see how not stressful, but how much you understand the value in that. And you know that if you say the wrong thing, it's going to make it so much harder for you to do what you do. So I, I, in just talking with you for this past hour, like I feel such a bigger appreciation of what you do and any Mm. sense of like the jealousy that I had, which I got to say was, was there. And I, <laughs> and I appreciate you so much like, just like saying that. Like it was, there. I'm not, it was totally there. But having just talked to you and realizing that like you're going through some of the same shit that I'm going through, maybe in different ways, but it's there, and it just makes mm-hmm. me, it makes mm-hmm. me proud to know that we can like talk about this shit together because it, disabled men who have disabilities don't often get the chance to explore this stuff, and I think just from this hour like so much has come from this conversation yeah no that means a lot to me i think often about like whether or not there's this line of like perpetuating a stereotype right like if i do a bodybuilding competition and i get bigger muscles and i take more shirtless pictures and i have more nude photos or something like all of that is going to like could in my mind sometimes like reinforce the stereotype and and like have more people follow but then it's like that is also a piece of like why people follow me and it gives me the ability to make a difference because people are following me yeah and it's almost it's a weird it's not like i'm like weaponizing what i have but it's like i'm strategizing right it's like i know that there's a, a privilege that I have and certain people come to my page because of certain aspects of how I look. And then, and then I have, I, I want to make a difference. Like I, I'm not just saying it when I say like, I want all bodies to be welcome and to be visible and to have a space in the world. And, um, no human being is ever going to have a body that works forever or looks a certain way forever. Like the nature of bodies is they, is they, they do fall apart, you know, and, and they become disabled. Disability is just a natural part of the human experience. And so I just keep thinking this is an investment into every single human being that we create a world in which all bodies are welcome and valuable and celebrated. Totally. Like, I couldn't, and, have, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I have a couple more questions for you because I want to get okay, to Because yeah. you have so much that you can share. I, I don't want to like <laughs> forget them because they're all good. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You talk about sometimes feeling invisible as a queer disabled man. And I really resonated with that because I do all this work. I'm really active on social media. Like People know who I am. I do my job. I have this podcast. I, I'm 
on Insta and Twitter and doing all these things, but I also often feel invisible in this in this queer community. How do you how have you felt invisible? Um, how does that feel for you? And then how do you wish that queer disabled men were more visible? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. For me, I think that the a lot of that has been inside of representation in terms of like the, just the feeling of disability, like nowhere ever on any gay ad or like gay moment or gay advertising. You know what I mean? Like in gay culture, have I ever seen a mobility device? You know, yeah. like gay male culture. Um, you never see like bodies that are different portrayed in normal sexual ways or even just like normal ways. They're not even really anywhere, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so the, the invisibility is inside of just like never seeing disabled gay men like ever really. Uh, yeah. That's, that's like one. Right. Um, and then another is like so many spaces, especially like spaces where where gay people socialize. Um, so many of those spaces are not accessible, like bars and clubs. Like I am again lucky because I have a boyfriend who can like carry me on his back. Hot. When okay, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of hot. Um, and I, but I also like have the privilege of using a manual wheelchair that's light enough to get down a flight of steps. But like, we'll come into a space and it'll be like, oh my gosh, like they have two flights of stairs and no elevator, um, but they have like all of this other stuff and all these other other investments. And there's no reason that this shouldn't have an elevator. And that totally excludes disabled people from having any kind of interaction, socialization, integration, all of those pieces, right? And so. Yeah, it does lead to feeling just like it. I mean, it can, right? If you're not, it, it, it can feel like you're just not taken into consideration. You're not thought about. You're not welcome. You're not um, like a priority by any means. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, and and then so then, in what ways would you? In what ways do you want to see more visibility in queer male spaces? Yeah, I want to. I want to see different bodies in, um, kind of like your stereotypical gay spaces, you know, um, in clubs on like gay cruise advertisements on like whatever it is. I want to see like people in wheelchairs. I want to see people in power chairs. I want to see people who have like, yeah, just like different bodies. Um, also like clothing lines, all of that kind of stuff. I just like want people in wheelchairs or um, different, like I keep saying with different bodies to show up disabled people. I feel like this is leading us to like maybe do a photo shoot campaign together sometime. So anybody listening who wants to shoot us together, like I'm, when, you know, coronavirus dies down and we can actually go places again, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will feel incredibly awkward for gay men to, like, if I showed up in a wheelchair in some kind of, like, ad on JJ Malibu or something, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel would like, love that, though. Like, that's a, that's so powerful because, like, they you don't see that ever. So, like, for that to just show up would be, like, whoa, 
Oh, gosh, maybe I should like, I, this is like getting my brain thinking like, gosh, maybe I need to like start connecting with these like spaces to try and just yeah, like, like tweet them. Or modeling or, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, so my good. last, last question for you is, do you think that the intersection of queerness and disability is something that we should be, that should be openly explored more in politics? Because you mentioned earlier that you did some work with Andrew Yang's presidential campaign, which was... Yeah. which is fucking awesome and cool and like mm. so do you think that queerness and disability needs to be a political issue I think I think it inherently has to be just like any intersection of identity is ultimately a political issue in terms of like we have to have policies to protect people right it's like every every piece of discrimination like every piece of the marginalized experience that queer people have, disabled queer people are going to have more of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Just like just like people of color are going to have like a, a deeper experience of like discrimination and all of the effects of like even queer discrimination because of the color of their skin or their heritage or their like ethnic background. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's like, yeah, I think it's the same thing. I think queer disabled people are, are like at much higher risk of like homelessness, of um, like prejudice and biases that can have like a real impact on their ability to like make, um, like take care of themselves. Even just like baseline stuff of like homelessness, LGBTQ people are more likely to be homeless. Disabled people, very likely much more likely to be homeless right yeah unemployment all of those pieces so i think um yeah i think we have to be particularly thoughtful about people who have intersecting identities and who are at most risk and disabled people in the queer community are certainly some of those people how do you think we bring those conversations into the political realm effectively like because i haven't seen and i'm i'm in canada so i'm shielded from this a little bit I didn't see a yeah. lot of political stuff around disability in this current election cycle. How do you think we bring more of that to the forefront? Yeah, the, honestly, there was not a lot of LGBTQ stuff that happened in debates. There was I mean, very little disability stuff. Andrew, what Andrew brought to the forefront more than anything was like a conversation about autism and autistic people because his son is autistic. And... Um, you know, he uses uh, language that the autistic community is sometimes not in favor of. And so he, he's still learning, absolutely, um, like how to advocate for people with disabilities. But there's just not a lot of conversation about it, generally speaking, still. Um, and, and I think that going to, I mean, first, like having a, having an administration whose priority it is to invest in the lives of people with disabilities or marginalized people is like step one. You just have to have someone who has a mindset like this is important. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a pretty low threshold, right? It's like our lives matter. Yeah. <laughs> and then beyond that, you know, like, there's there's a whole set of issues that have to be taken care of in the United States. And one is just like, let's start with the enforcement of the laws that we currently have. The Americans with Disabilities Act has many provisions that are unenforced and even inside of you know the federal government we don't have a single entity 
that is responsible for the enforcement of the ADA. Yeah. Which, which is like our, you know, our law that protects which the civil rights of people. Know, and, is, like, and it's been on the books for 30 years now. And it's like, what, how, yeah. how is it still so shoddy guys? This is my question. How is it? Yeah. Still- yeah. And it's, it's scattered across different agencies and departments of like, in terms of, yeah, the, um, the actual enforcement of it. So like that needs to happen. And then, you know, just like even like passing the equality act, like LGBTQ people need to be protected under civil rights law. And that has not happened either. Both of those things would make a huge difference for both queer people and disabled people and queer disabled people. Yeah, totally. Completely. I completely agree with you. Um, this is a great interview and I learned so much about you that I didn't know. And I also feel super connected to you now because like we've talked and we've chatted about stuff that like yeah like i'm really really proud to know what you're doing and like i said earlier all the jealousy that i had is like totally dissipated because like you're just a a person like doing the things um so i'm i just want to say like thank you so much for taking the time and i'm so glad we finally got to sit down and do this um Mm. i mean i if i can just like also interject and acknowledge you for the work you've done before I even had any post about anything with sexuality and disability before I even like would call myself like an advocate. I followed you on Twitter. I read everything that you were doing. I was like really looking to you as the example of like, okay, like people are out there making a difference. People care about this. Someone's talking about it. Like you're a trailblazer really. And I think that you should be like really proud of the work you've done and I think that you should continue to do it. And I think that, um, you really did start a huge piece of this conversation because, you know, um, someone has to start it. Someone has to start it. And, and I really look at you as, as a main kind of figure of people who have really done the work to be visible through social media and podcasting and Twitter and all these other spaces. So, um, thank you for doing that work and kind of like blazing a path for me to find my own way. Well, that makes me, I'm, uh, I'm, nobody can see this, but I'm blushing like a crazy person right now. Um, <laughs> it's all true. It's all a hundred percent true. So, thank well, you. thank you. I appreciate it so much. Uh, this was a great interview and I could fangirl for another hour, but I don't want the audience to be like, why are they doing <laughs> that? So how do people get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? How can they follow your thrift trap photos? Cause there's some pretty nice, pretty nice photos. Yeah. On there. um okay so you can follow me on instagram or twitter those are the places i go most but definitely instagram more which is carson c-a-r-s-o-n underscore tuller which is t-u-e-l-l-e-r just my name um and then um for more information in terms of like what i do professionally in terms of like speaking engagements or like life coaching, kind of personal coaching, one-on-one stuff. Um, CarsonTuller.com is my website. And um, feel free to drop me a line, contact me, ask a question, whatever you need. I will make sure that all that great stuff is in the show notes so people can just click and follow you, and they all should because doing really important work. And this is just a great interview, and I'm really, really excited for people to hear it. Thank you. I loved it so much. I, I felt like so much of it has resonated. It's been so good talking to another another gay disabled man about life. I mean, so. right? Shit. I mean, I know I don't get to do it very often. I don't get to so. do it very often either, so it feels really good. So I, I appreciate that. Um, well, Carson Tuller, I will fangirl with you once I hit off in a minute. But uh, thank you <laughs> so much for coming on today, and we'll talk <laughs> to you soon.
Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it so much. Bye. Bye. All right, friends, this has been another episode of the podcast, shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between, Disability After Dark. My name is Andrew Gerza. I am your disabled dick smith. If you want to follow my work and you like what I do, you can follow me at www.andrewgerza.com. Go to my website. You can see my award-winning documentary, Picture This is Up There. You can see some cool videos I've done with some internet celebrities are up there like Davey Wavy and you can also see where I've given talks in the past and if you ever want to book me to do an in-person or digital talk you can do it there if you want to follow my social media where I talk about disability rights disability justice everything disability you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at it's Andrew Gerza that's I-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, we're on Twitter, Disaft Dark Pod. You can follow us there. If you want to support the show, you can pledge to our Patreon, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. You can pledge $1 a month or $5 a month to keep this show going. We'd really appreciate it. The show is fully independently produced by me here in my bedroom. All right, well, thank you for listening to this episode, and we will be back next week for a whole new episode. Until then, stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, y'all. Thanks. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020.